0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. All right. Hey, everybody, welcome to Climbing Sycamores. i um, excited today. We've got a guest.
1: Our boy Mikey Mike on the mic, the Tower of Babbler himself.
0: Oh, Mr. Good. Michael
2: Babbler. Yeah. Hello, so, everyone.
0: Yeah. Would you please uh, introduce yourself and your role at Victory?
2: Sure. So, my name is Michael Babbler. I'm new on the staff at Victory, Director of Online and Digital Ministry. So, as our church is growing and our online presence is growing, we're working to find new ways to engage with people online and uh, make them feel part of our Victory community.
1: You cool. said that very, very well for someone who doesn't know what his job description is yet.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Uh, trying to be succinct and clear and uh, work through the details in my own head.
0: That's great. That's great. So we're glad to have you. Um, I guess we can get started. And um, so what's on my mind today? So I think I want to discuss, um, and we've kind of touched on this before in, in former podcasts, but Snapchat specifically, Um this came up because, I, you know, I've got a 15-year-old son and we were taught, you know, he's got some cousins around his age and, you know, there's been a debate amongst our, you know, the parents of these kids. When when should the kids get Snapchat? When should they um, have access to Snapchat?
1: When they're older.
0: Well, the, re- the reason that um, some of Tristan's cousins, I think, are being, are not allowed to have Snapchat at, right now is because uh, due to information selling. And so the idea is if you subscribe to Snapchat and you participate, then your information is being sold to other companies. And then you end up getting kind of these spammy texts, which we've also talked about. Um, some are very explicit. And so I guess for me, um, I just think about like, I know that my son has gotten some of these explicit text messages and he just says he doesn't open them. So I guess my point is, you know, at some point as parents, you kind of have to just say, well, we hope we, we hope we did a good enough job and hopefully. Um, and
1: do you feel like you've done a
2: good enough job?
0: I mean, he says he's not opening them. So I don't know. Maybe that's naive. I don't know.
2: You know, I think that this whole discussion, whether it's Snapchat or, or beyond and other social media platforms. It's it's all about, you know, when's the right time? And it's a really hard thing to determine when's the right time for everyone to get on and to join this particular platform. And it's, it's really not a blanket statement, I don't think. Um, you know, in a previous life, before I came to Victory, I, I was a teacher. Um, I focused a lot on digital citizenship. I, I taught lessons to students from pre-k all the way up through 12th grade um these are things that that we discuss a lot workshops with parents lots of concerns right and there's really a an individual decision i think that has to be made because your kid at 15 and someone else's kid at 15 are two very Mm -hmm. different kids Mm -hmm. and whether that's maturity wise or how they handle certain situations and how you've parented them is going to be very different um But there's definitely a shift, I would say, that's been going on. It's funny. We talk about this as if social media has existed forever. But, of course, it's still a relatively new concept. Mm -hmm. But a shift that's been going on more recently with people, and particularly children, getting these social media accounts, getting on these platforms at a younger and younger and younger age Mm -hmm. because they want to fit in. Everyone else is doing it, right? Mm -hmm is it appropriate for an 8-year-old to be on Instagram? You know? And and it's happening. Mhm. At least where where I came from last in Miami, that was that was real because these kids also had devices. Mm-hmm. They had phones at 8 years old. So they felt like they needed everything. And was that, you know, being supervised? Was that was was a parent involved in helping them navigate that platform at eight years old?
0: Right. And I think it's weird. It's like, you know, everybody's doing it. So everybody feels they need to do it. So where where did this start? You know, like, how did, how did it start that um, everybody has a device and everybody has Snapchat and everybody's got Insta and everything else? And now everybody wants to do it. But where, how did that, Start that well, everybody does it. I
1: think to be fair that that has been the case with like with, with everything is that just kids want to be like adults because they don't know how terrible it is. Exactly. But they see like, you know, like when Stay you're young, young. you want to drive. And then when mm-hmm. you're young, you want to drink. Mm-hmm. And you just like, I see older people doing it. I want to feel older. I want to feel more mature. And so you don't actually want the responsibility. You just kind of want the, the fun benefits that come with it.
0: mm
2: And I don't I don't want to overgeneralize, but some things that I've noticed, too, is I think younger parents have also allowed technology to be the parent. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. if they if they're not taking the responsibility of supervising their their child or helping them to find activities to keep themselves busy, what do they do? They say, here's the phone. Watch YouTube. Here's, Mm -hmm. you know, keep yourself busy. Mm -hmm. And so now it's a technology heavy mindset for these kids. And what happens? Well, they want to be on this platform because so-and-so is and they want to do this and they want to do that and it's all just compounds right
0: Mm -hmm. interesting
1: i that's a that's an interesting one for me anyway because like i didn't get facebook until i was at least like halfway through college um i had i got my first phone i bought my first phone i was like 18 and you know most people my most people in my class or whatever had them like at eighth grade and I just didn't have one for the longest time. I think I had, I think I had like an iPod touch. Like I could still text people or something. I had, I had something like that. Um, but then, yeah, Facebook, I, I didn't have it. I, I really didn't care. And, and now I'm wondering if I should have it or not. It just seems like a big waste of time, but obviously I, I'm extremely well adjusted and I'm a, <laughs> the the ideal <laughs> of what every parent aspires their child to grow into mm-hmm. um i don't, see i i really think like as kids are like our our we had monitor we had our, our screen time monitored like how much time you should be playing computer games or video games or watching tv it was like you know you can watch like two shows a day but then you got to go out and do something else um and i mean just It's the same thing with like junk food and and bedtimes and and just that basic monitoring stuff where, um, and and we grew up like in a town of like nobody, like we had a big yard and I was lucky because my neighbors were got guys the same age. My siblings, like they didn't really have friends that lived around, but you you just had to figure out something to do.
0: That makes a difference. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You had to figure out something to do. And so you, you just had to get creative because it was, you can't, you're not allowed to just spend all day watching tv or whatever you're not, you're not allowed to and um uh, but nowadays nowadays i don't nowadays i don't know if that works um because because we use we use screens for everything i mean a lot of schools now like everyone gets a chromebook or whatever and it's like well i have to be on my computer to do homework because mm-hmm. you you don't write things with pencil and paper anymore thank goodness mm-hmm. but um, I, I still don't, I still don't know if that's good for people.
2: I think that's where companies, I'm, I'm going to speak about Apple specifically because that's the one I'm most familiar with in, in these terms. I think that they've done a, a better job recently of giving parents the tools to help monitor those kind of things. So you know, when you were a kid, and the same thing was with me, like you know we, we get to watch X number of, of shows or hours or whatever a day. Uh, now, you can control that from your devices, right? Screen time on on the phone or on an iPad, you set that up for your kid. It's a very useful tool because you're limiting how much time they can spend in such and such an app or in general on their device. Uh, You can filter content and things like that so that you can help your child navigate that and grow into being more mature as a device user. That's definitely one aspect I think that does make it better and easier um, to trust your kids with, with these platforms. The other thing that I think we also should bring up and remember is that these platforms do have a minimum age of when you're allowed to use them. right? Right, And that's for a reason, right? There's laws in place that companies can't collect information from children under 13. And so at least at a minimum, these platforms are intended to be used by 13 and older. Mm -hmm. And, And there's good reasons for that too. Um, I would always talk to students about them being able to think about future consequences to their current mm-hmm. actions. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's so difficult for them to do, even a high school age student, because honestly and literally that part of the brain is still growing as a teenager. The part that can look forward to potential consequences from current actions. They're, they're just in the moment, right? Oh, this seems fun. I want to share this. I want to do this. So I do it. I don't think about...
0: Lack of experience. <laughs> well, exactly.
2: I don't think about X, Y, and Z 20 years down the road. Mm-hmm. They don't care. And so that's where the the harm, the potential harm comes in. And so really thinking about how is your kid handling those decisions, mm-hmm. that's a really big part too. Are they more mature in, in that development? And, and do they think about their actions before they do them? Mm-hmm. Or is it... Act first, think later. Mm-hmm. I think that makes a big difference as well.
0: I have a general rule for myself about posting um, in any any of my platforms. And is it is, if I wouldn't want my pastor to see it, then I shouldn't post it because I'm connected to, you know, I'm, well, or just, I mean, any other Christian, you know, it's like, could this be, you know, offensive to somebody? Um, so yeah, that's kind of my, my personal rule. Well,
1: and that's, and I mean, I've thought that too, like, you know, who's all going to see it. And my, my grandpa has always said something like this, like when you're born, you're not, you don't have nothing. You're not a blank slate, but you have a name, like you have your last name and that name carries with it whatever respect your, your parents and your grandparents have earned for it, you know, and just trying to keep that in perspective, like you don't get to go out and do whatever you want. Now, obviously he's like super big on responsibility and, and that was just the way he phrased it. But but the, that idea that, and I certainly wouldn't have had that at age like 14, for example, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I don't know if you you maybe got to smack down on your kids a little bit and and say like, you're a biggie, biggies do this and mm-hmm. you're a babbler, babblers don't act that way, you know? Um <laughs> I don't know. I I think I think there's there's something to be said, a little healthy fear of God. You you should be a little scared of your parents. That's not bad. (laughs) Here's a here's a here's a question, though, about Snapchat and and about data collection. What is the actual concern with data collection? Because, like, I I get it. It's like creepy. People are looking what you but but at this point, like, who cares?
0: I guess that's how I feel, too. But I'm also an adult. Um, And even though there are age limits of 13 or whatever, And data collection, I mean, we know that kids are going on younger than that. So, And kids are receiving explicit text messages.
1: I just got one like yesterday. I had a nice friend request from a lovely young woman I had never met.
0: (laughs) Sounds legit. You should respond to it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I think that that, that's a concern is um, basically exposing particularly minors to explicit content
1: See, I think the content thing, that's serious. The data collection thing, though, I mean, so I get ads for like fishing tackle stuff all the time because that's always what I'm looking up. I don't care. Like, good, point me to the great deals out there. Maybe I'll buy them, maybe I won't. But I, like, it doesn't bother me that people know what I'm looking for. Like, right, it's,
2: it's but Like But you're also consciously making that decision. Right, You know, as a, as a grown uh, adult, that's true. That's you true. know that they're collecting that data mm. and you know what potentially might be done with it, and you're okay with it mm-hmm. because you know that's a part of how this works. Mm-hmm. As a 13 year old, or even worse, as an 8 year old, mm. they don't necessarily know what giving up this information about myself could lead to. Mm-hmm. And to be completely honest, as that as a child, uh, if you're giving up the wrong information, you know that can lead to things like you know predatory behavior or mm-hmm. child abductions or, or things like that. You know that people are finding them. And if you have the right information from a, a social media post, you know, it's not that hard to 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 find people, unfortunately. Right.
1: So in a sense, it's non consensual. Like, because mm. you always read you always read the terms and conditions, right? You always read no. every every no. paragraph in there, right?
2: <laughs> but I click the box. Yeah, and kids you
1: scroll to the bottom, you click accept. Um So, yeah, okay, like okay, legally you've accepted this, but in a sense, and i guess that's where the, that's where the age restriction comes on you know like oh you have to be a, a certain age hmm that's interesting yeah i guess i don't know i guess i don't see i i, I just don't get why kids need to have phones before you're like what oh I, I concur 18, i i was right? not advocating for it but yeah. i think
2: it is more reality like yeah yeah what's the legitimacy of an 8 year old having a, a <laughs> phone on them at all times every day
1: yeah I, and and i mean if you're really that concerned about safety, I don't know. Surely there's a better way. Like the phone is just in, is insanely is in, an insanely powerful tool or or weapon, self-destructive weapon. Yeah, if it's safety, you know, there's
2: other methods. You know, there's there's watches that you can just you know, give
1: your kid a tracking chip in the neck, like yep. in
2: Hunger <laughs> Games. Well, okay, we don't have to boot on on the neck. You got air <laughs> tags and things like that. It's a little more humane.
1: little in the arm or whatever they do. The little. K- I yeah, I'm just waiting for the day when we all get government chips anyway. They'll be collecting our data, but but it'll make life so much more convenient.
2: Okay, Matt. I am an yeah,
0: individual.
2: I'm, I am an
1: independent individual sure. saying this.
0: Robot. Um, I think with Snapchat too, you know, there's a feature that basically, you know, going back to like child abductions things things like that, there's like a a map that tells where you are so that people can see where you are. Mm-hmm.
2: And a lot of people don't understand. Like, I can turn that feature I can turn off. That feature off, right? right. It's the same thing with any of these platforms. You know, Facebook. Do I have my settings so that mm-hmm. random people aren't seeing everything I post, or mm-hmm. not seeing my pictures, or that I'm not automatically tagged from the artificial intelligence? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's the the problem of knowledge.
0: Mm-hmm. That's why I like I like the idea of the classes that you were teaching. I think, and I hope that schools are moving you know, toward that. Cause that's, that's what we need to be teaching our kids how to navigate some of these social media platforms. Um, interestingly, I read about Snapchat because I wondered like, what, what are the origins? Like what, why did Snapchat become a thing? Cause to me, it's like, obviously it's just sexed, right? Cause mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, yeah. it disappears. So it's like pretty s- a safe way quote to, to sext people. Um, but the CEO mentioned, I think it was in 2012 and he said it was actually kind of more of a, a way to live in the moment instead of creating like doctored photos that we would see on Instagram or Facebook, just kind of a way to do a quick snap. Um, and also a way to prevent like maybe employers or, or people from searching your profile. So it was a temporary thing that would, um, like uh, it would not be available for like employers to search.
2: I think that's horse see. crap. Yeah, I think I think, I think he's covering sure. that up. Sure, but really ironic statements because you're talking about the the filtering and like the real everyday life, right?
1: Well, there there are Snapchat filters, right? Like and crazy, oh, and those bad. things like originated
2: on Snapchat. What, what was one of the reasons you started using Snapchat? Because it sees your face and puts these little things all over mm-hmm. it, right? Like that's complete irony. Yeah. But the other thing that you're talking about that it disappears, right? Well, it gives us false sense of security. Mm. Like nobody is going to see it after X number, yeah. you know, after it's mm-hmm. viewed and after so much time, it's gone forever. Yeah, right. Gone mm-hmm. forever. Nothing's gone forever on the internet. Correct. Right.
1: right. And uh, I mean, and you can screenshot, it'll tell you that someone's screenshot right. it, but I have mm-hmm. seen posts of people taking a photo with another phone. Oh, I mean, right. You just, you, but right. Even if it tells you, so what? You can't stop it. Right. And right. That's, that's nonsensical to suggest that it's going to, I don't
0: know, it's... Right. I'd like to believe that that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> what
2: what I would always tell students is once you put it out there, you're no longer in control. Mhm. Right? That's that's yeah. Even something like Snapchat. Yeah, you sent it, but you are no longer in control. Anyone can do anything. You take a screenshot, mm-hmm. now they can do anything with it and you can't stop it. It exists forever and it's not yours. It's just somebody else's to do whatever they want with it.
0: And I think the filters too, I mean, that's a whole nother issue where they, I mean, people are unrecognizable, like they change the shape of your face and, you know, everything like it's I've, I've crazy. done the one
1: that makes you a girl that is freaky.
0: <laughs> You'd make a nice looking girl, Matt.
1: I know <laughs> I've seen it,
0: <laughs> but I think, you know, that's something else too. kind of a, you know, and Michael and I were kind of talking before we started recording about, you know, putting your identity in, in something and in your uh, validity and, you know, these, these filters are just, you know, if you think you look a certain way and they enhance your your physical appearance and that's what you take your pride in and find your identity in. I mean, that's a problem. Yeah, it's you really,
2: know? really easy to get sucked down this false view of, of what beauty is.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So let's take it to a vote, I guess. Who thinks their kid should have Snapchat? Annie? Michael.
2: Wait, wait. What's the
1: age here? Uh fifteen.
0: My son got Snapchat when he was a freshman in high school. He was God. turning fourteen. Negligence. Well, and well, and see, kind of the reason for that was, you know, playing sports. Um, that's the way that the kids were commu- like the team was communicating. And, you know, whether or not that No was, excuse. Well, no, listen, <laughs> I mean, it was kind of like, hey you know, we're going to hold a captain's practice. This is the way that people are communicating. um, And the coach, I mean, the coaches are not involved in it because they can't be due to whatever lo- like sporting laws are, you know? And so it was like held by the captains and, you know, in order to be a part of it.
2: Wow. How times have changed.
0: Right. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I guess, you know, here we go. And plus I think high school in general, you know, was when he got an actual phone because of just, transportation so i mean th- there there was a like a legitimate reason for him to have a phone certainly in high school um it's a lot different than than grade school you know in the, in the lutheran community all the moms are you know it everybody's in cahoots in the grade school and then when you get to high school it's much bigger and much more vast and so i think you do need you know that a phone basically so anyway sorry to answer, short short answer yes tristan has snapchat and he's 15.
2: okay wow God, 15, Fifteen, I think I'm okay with.
0: And he's ah. he's mature, and he's very mature. So I mean,
1: yeah, I know we've been saying this, but you know, I, I think it's really about just having like just t- like tell them, let's let them know what they're getting themselves into, of course, and, and and hash all that. And art. I
0: have, you know, I've stopped him. There was one occasion we were on vacation. He saw a funny poster, and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to snap this and send it out." And I I think it was. I just said, listen, you don't want to, you don't want to do this. It wasn't anything bad. It wasn't anything explicit. It was just, it could have, it could have been a little controversial. And I said, you know what? Just don't do it. You know, do Mm -hmm. you, would you want pastor to see this? Like how, you know, how does this make you look kind of thing? So, I mean, we have had some teaching moments, but.
2: And that's important. You're, you're following up, right? You're not just giving it to him and and letting him do it and never talking about it again. Right,
1: right. Wow. Michael, parent of the year over there killing it.
2: It's always easier without your own kids, right? <laughs>
1: that's that's what I've found on this podcast as well. All right. Should we go to our next, next yeah, topic of discussion? Yeah.
0: Michael, do you want to talk about your...
2: Yeah, sure. So as I kind of alluded to before, um, I recently moved from Miami up to Wisconsin. And as you can imagine, they are two vastly different Areas of the country, like how Michael, like how, like everything, <laughs> temperature, you name it. temperature would be one. Climate, is it weather, just as people. snowy down there? <laughs> um, if there was snow in Miami, I think the people would literally die. <laughs> they put they put wind like you know the winter jackets y'all wear. Yeah, they wear winter jackets when it's like mm, sixty oh, slash fifty eight. I
0: love sixty two, man. Yeah. That's golden.
2: Stocking caps, the whole shebang. It's ridiculous. It's oh, wow. funny, but um. No, I, I I was just thinking about like cultural differences that that are are very clear between Miami and the Midwest. And now I I lived in the Midwest for ten years as a kid. I have family that's lived up here, so I'm very familiar with the Midwest. And it was always you know kind of a point of comparison. And in Miami, especially where we were, it's very 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 multicultural. Um, a lot of different Latin and South American countries, the Caribbean islands, uh, literally people from all over.
0: That's cool. It,
2: it is super cool mm-hmm. b- because you you get to experience just a lot of, of different cultural aspects, like, you know, the food, the celebrations, the traditions that these people have, the language, um, and being open to it is super important, but then enjoying it, it it's a lot of fun. But... There, there's kind of a disconnect. I feel there, um, in even though they all, you know, there's there's kind of similarities. There's disconnect between the the closeness of people. I would say relationships are different. They're a little more surface level. Um, Although it's 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 ironic because the the Latino way of greeting each other. Is you know kiss on the cheek and kind of like a, a little hug, and you do that with everyone all the time. You know them, you don't know them. That's how you greet each other. And then you know you come to the Midwest, and how do we greet each other? Like a very far extended handshake. <laughs> Try not to touch. Yeah, he- heaven forbid we would hug. That that's kind of absurd. Um, but on the other hand, like Midwestern people are very friendly, right? They're more outgoing. They're they're easier to to interact with. I think that is super Um, interesting so you've got this kind of cultural divide where down in miami i was experiencing you know the closeness of of touch and and what seemed like relationship yet there was kind of a disconnect in Hmm. in deepness of relationship and then the midwest you know we don't touch but super friendly it's it's interesting
1: we need to we need to artificially create warmth up here i think that's what it is like that's why we have very close friends because it's so cold out so cold yeah (laughs) why do you
0: why do you think that is why do you have any thoughts about why 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 that just opposite
2: i don't know if it's if it's because of uh, like here in the midwest We're all kind of the same people from the same places. Right. You know, we all have the same backgrounds. Um, German. (laughs) For the most part, right? A lot of German. And down in Miami, while a lot of them came from Latin or South American countries, each of them is so individual Mm -hmm. and unique, right? Mm -hmm. And they would kind of gather, you know, in, in city by city in, in different kind of pods of, of country. The city where I lived was very, very, very Venezuelan. Mm. Um, you know, Calle Ocho in, in downtown Miami is historically heavy Cuban. Mm. There was a uh, Little Haiti. Um so they kind of settle together in these groups, which is great for them to continue celebrating their heritage and their culture together, but it's almost like they don't assimilate with the other groups.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hmm.
1: Well, I kind of think that's what we do here. The problem is, is we're all the same group. Um, I mean, but if you go to South Side of Milwaukee, it's heavily Hispanic. If you go to the North Side, it's heavily African American. Um, And and Milwaukee
0: though is to be fair, Milwaukee's like the most
1: segregated city in the in the and they've been saying.
0: I learned that in school in two thousand ten. Like they, this has been a thing for a long time, like a long time.
1: Yeah, but that, that actually really takes me by surprise because I feel like the culture where they're all going around the little basitos mm-hmm. <laughs> hugging, mm-hmm. you feel like they would all really like each other, but maybe not.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just it's an interesting shift because you and, and we're not viewed as friendly gringos down in Miami. Like mm. we're kind of this unfriendly group because we don't have that same greeting yeah i mean you know we we acclimated to it and Mm -hmm. and we're all about it and that's fine but it's just a difference in what we're used to as as a cultural group i guess Hmm. and it's funny because like we are friendly like you come up you know to the midwest and you see people interacting differently but maybe we're maybe we're still scared to interact with other cultures which is sad Hmm. but It's just not something we're comfortable with. And maybe that's part of, you know, where you grow up, too. Do you grow up around a lot of people of of your cultural identity? And if you're not exposed to other cultures at a young age, does that make it harder to to interact with them Mm. at an older age?
0: And I mean, I imagine, yeah, just location plays a role in that. Like in Wisconsin, we are probably less likely to have... So, such a, a presence you know Cuban presence or things like that just simply by location same if you're living on a coast you know California or New York or things like that so we're a little bit more isolated or landlocked.
1: <laughs> hmm. That's It's too bad Ben's not here because he lived down there too mm-hmm. and he uh, yeah I don't want to speak too much for him but he did say that like there his he had a small church and it was heavily hispanic Mm -hmm. and they were all like a really tight family and i wonder maybe they were all roughly this roughly from the same country quite possible
2: yeah Yeah. i know he was in the orlando area and it's interesting that i feel you know i I was in orlando numerous times um even orlando to miami is is such a difference Mm. you know when when you think about um miami that's like the the down south tip of florida that's where you have this eclectic mix of cultures and as you start to go north in florida you you lose that more and more it just becomes more because it's funny like you know in in central and northern florida you got the redneck you know Mm -hmm. backwoods florida people Florida man yeah (laughs) florida man oh yeah and and so there is just a difference even between you know a three-hour drive from orlando to miami
0: Hmm. interesting i
1: forgot what i was gonna say it was really smart too
0: i'm sure it was i, I everything guess everything you say
1: i know i can't help it <laughs> i i guess m- more than anything that just tells me that um it's interesting even in like a very diverse neighborhood or a diverse city like how just how um how how your culture really like ingrains you and and like all these we might call them like nonverbals and things. I mean, just how much that affects you and, and what you're comfortable with and what you'll gravitate towards and and that has a that has a much bigger effect on people than they realize. You know, if you're living in a city where there's little China and there's little Haiti and there's little you know, whatever country, well that that's that's there for a reason. So um I guess I guess the question is then like how do you, how do you break that? Because I, I mean, I would, I would have to say that that's I would be the same way. And and the funny thing is, is I can't even prove that because I <laughs> I don't step outside the Midwest all that
2: often. I, you know, I was just thinking as you were saying that, like, do you go and visit Little China, Little Haiti, like as a tourist? You know, mm-hmm. like, do you have that in mind? Like, oh, we've got to check it out, and yeah. you know, we're gonna be make a great tourist low here main or whatever, right? Or do you become you know, like we're all in Milwaukee or we're all in Miami. And so we are gonna be Miami. And this is part of Miami or this is part of Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. even though there are these little groups or little different areas of the same city.
1: I, yeah, I mean, definitely like I've felt the touristy thing, just like subconsciously. It's like, we want to go get, um, Vietnamese food or whatever. And then, you know, where do you go? Do you go to, you know the 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 strip mall place with the chain. It's like no, we're gonna go to that one place on Greenfield because the people all there have accents, so you know it's gonna be good. <laughs> it's like I don't know anything about them or the people. You know, you but you're going because you're like I want authentic More food authentic. or whatever.
2: Yeah. You know, and, and and do you feel comfortable or do you feel out of place? I think that's a difference too.
0: I personally, I feel I feel comfortable. I'm.
1: I wouldn't say I feel uncomfortable, but um. Definitely, it feels different. Like you don't feel like you're at, um, you know, any like a McDonald's or something where it's just like, I get all this. You you are kind of like, but you're you're not there, you're not there to like get to know the people as much as you're there to be like, ooh, ah, oh, they use chopsticks instead of forks and spoons. <laughs> like, it it's it's a touristy thing. I think mm-hmm. you're right about that.
2: Mm-hmm. I think another thing that, in a sense, and I'm going to generalize here about the Midwest. You know, when when a Midwesterner hears Spanish, a lot of times they just assume, "Oh, you're Mexican." Oh yeah yeah yeah. Right yeah. yeah. And oh. and that's damaging to to relationship building too, because there is so much more of the world that speaks Spanish totally. than just Mexicans. Mm-hmm. And again, that's what did you grow up with, right? Right. Are there a lot of people here from other Latin and South American countries in the Midwest? Not necessarily. Um, they've, they've settled in other areas of the country. So a Midwesterner's experience with Spanish speakers is probably heavily Mexican and that's fine. That's good. But there is a lot more than just Mexico.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think depending on where you grow up to, I mean, you're small town, Minnesota, you know, I'm born, raised Milwaukee. You know, I went to Milwaukee public schools. I had a lot of lot of diversity in my schools growing up. Um, it's something that I value for my kids and I don't think we always have enough of it. Like in our Lutheran, um, schools, particularly in the suburbs. Um, I'm grateful, grateful for Wisconsin Lutheran high school. Cause I think that they, um, there is diversity there and I, I'm, and they celebrate it and I'm, as far as I can tell. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for that.
2: And I'll throw one last thing out there maybe. So, it's, it's the difference of feeling um, like you're in the majority. People look like you who are mm-hmm. all around you or mm-hmm. feeling like you're in the minority, right? So when I lived in Miami, I was definitely the minority. Mm-hmm. In, in this town that I lived in, like I said, was heavily Venezuelan. There were not a lot of us gringos mm-hmm. who were living there. Um, you know, we were kind of known as this group of white teachers at this school, mm-hmm. And, and that was fine. The parents appreciated that, like their kids are getting good English mm-hmm. uh, in their education and things like that. But how do you feel as being the minority? Because that's what a lot of other people are feeling a lot, too. Yeah. Right. And,
0: right. And, and a lot of us haven't really had I've to experience that. Definitely never felt right, that. Right. Right. So that's that's an interesting take too. that. And, and
1: that might be a valuable experience in and of itself mm-hmm. is go somewhere where you're the minority. Mm hmm. Um, of course, that's me at every social event, though, because I don't want to be there. <laughs> um, but, but uh, I mean, but I mean, seriously, like, there's, you know, it's just one of these things where it's like, well, what's the value in that? Well, the value is just doing the thing, you know, for its own sake. Whether or not you walk away and you feel like you learned it, just at least know what it feels like. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. that's something worth doing. I don't know.
2: Yeah, diversified experiences are always, always a good thing.
0: Cool. All right, groovy. We good there?
1: Good. Cool. All right. Last topic of discussion um, is a fascinating news article I stumbled upon. Unfortunately, it happened like two years ago, so we're a little late on this one. But it it, it goes as such: There's a couple of uh, that move into a home in California, and the first night they're there, their car gets broken into, and someone robs their car. And they're all they're all upset about it. But they can't do anything about it. The, a couple nights later, the exact same thing happens. Someone breaks into their car and, s- and starts taking things out. And, Why
0: can't they do anything about it?
1: Well, because it already happened. I mean, like you have oh, a car oh. parked outside.
0: But I mean, they did they call the police?
1: That I don't know. Okay. The problem the problem is is at that time and actually still in the state of California. Theft under nine hundred and fifty dollars least in that county it might be statewide might just be in their county but theft under $950 is not a felony it's a misdemeanor unless it's like an organized gang or something like that
2: yeah they've changed those laws recently which is has been a big issue in some of the big cities and why some stores are Mm, moving out there were
1: many there were many stories of people walking into stores and just literally grabbing things from the shelf Like maybe armed, maybe not. They literally just walk in and just take things and walk out. And the management is instructed, don't interfere. Don't get yourself hurt. We're insured. But people just take things, and as long as knowing
0: that they won't have any consequences, right? And the reason police aren't going to do anything
1: because the police are so freaking busy Mm -hmm. that if something's a misdemeanor, if it's just a small theft, they probably aren't going to respond. And that's not the law. The law is obviously it's still a crime to steal, but just in practice, but
0: is it priority? Right? I mean, like
1: it's not it's not a priority. There's there's bigger fish to fry. Essentially, once we
2: solve all the murders, we'll come (laughs) deal with your misdemeanor. (laughs) Exactly. So that's that's
1: like you know so that. The people who phrased the law. And the the saddest thing is the reason they had to make this law is because the, the prisons were so full of people that the Supreme Court of California ruled that throwing more people in prison was cruel and unusual punishment because they were so packed together. Like, the living conditions were so insanely packed together. Mm. They were like, you need to find a way to get people out of the prison. Mm. And so they had, to, they had to lighten the sentence. And these things aren't felonies. They're misdemeanors. So anyway, that's the stage. This couple moves in. They have their car robbed twice in like a week or two. They decide to go on the offensive, <laughs> essentially. And they put a bicycle in their front yard. It is not chained up. There's no one around. Just put a bicycle there. They have some cameras, you know, like your doorbell camera. They have a camera in the front of the house that's watching the bicycle. Throughout the day, throughout the month, whatever, people walking by see a bike and just assume, oh, I can just take that bicycle. They get on, they walk. Where did up to the society
2: bike. go wrong thinking, I can just go take I know, right? I
0: can just go take the. Yeah, right.
1: Right. right? Well, and it's because they're probably not going to get punished for it. So they walk up, <sighs> that's they not look a at the to bicycle. Think it's okay. They grab the bicycle. They start riding away. The couple living in the house is watching and waiting. Grab baseball bats. Run after the person who took the bike and beat the snot out of them. And these people are going to the hospital with non-fatal injuries. And at first, the neighbors like this because they're like, wow, the number of thefts in our neighborhood is going way down. People aren't taking from us. And then the neighbors are like, this is getting a little weird because these people are seriously getting injured. And... Did this happen more than once? This happened over a series of months. This happened That repeatedly. the couple was... The couple was baiting watching. in thieves oh, with bicycles. multiple times. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, like multiple people were getting sent to the hospital getting beaten with bats after taking a bicycle. And the couple just get the bicycle back, I guess, and then just use it again. And but according to the neighbors at first it just worked like people were like don't steal from that neighborhood so anyway um it, a few months in in uh, january of 2020 it was the they finally are starting to the the law is starting to hear about this and the couple is going to be that was was going to be prosecuted i don't know exactly what happened but they they were talking to the da or whoever and was she was saying well i hope you know, this is, this is, um, assault and conspiracy, something, it's assault and conspiracy, I think, and uh, yeah, this is, this is way over the line, I hope these victims are brought to, are, are vindicated or whatever, I hope these perpetrators are caught, brought to justice. Now, I'm reading this story, I'm thinking, like, why are we punishing the people who got robbed? But, that raises an ethical question, which, of course, the, the, the lawyer, the, the, the DA in this case, was on the other side of, which is like, you're baiting people into theft and then beating them.
2: So, uh, thoughts? Well, that's really interesting to say oh. that this is, I'm conspiring for someone to steal something from me, right? I'm baiting mm-hmm. them because I own something. I can't yeah. I can't leave my bike in my front lawn yeah. and reasonably expect that it would stay there?
1: Yeah. Ooh, I mean, I'm and it is this. I mean, I'm sure in a neighborhood like that you do not leave stuff out. So, after a while, you can see where definitely it is baiting. You know, that's that was obviously the plan. Philosophically, I completely agree with you. I say power to the people. <laughs> well, especially <laughs> you know?
0: if, if law enforcement is not, you know, quote, doing its job I- in the sense... I mean, they're doing but, their job, like, don't get me wrong, but, like, mm-hmm. if they're not... Uh,
2: they don't have the bandwidth to address right, this issue. Right, serving that purpose, right.
0: then at what point, I mean, vigilante justice... But
1: that doesn't, of course, make it okay.
0: No, I agree, and obviously I don't want to see people hurt. um because I think that people steal for sometimes for reasons that are, uh, you know, de- very desperate and very
2: yeah deeper than what you see on the surface.
0: right. And so I don't want to I don't, wanna, I, don't I, I don't think it's, and wh- what are these people doing? They're sitting there watching. They're watching their doorbell, <laughs> their door camera all day Do long. Do they work? Do you work? Do you yeah, have a job? Like really. why why the, are you doing the this?
1: Girlfriend or the I think it was the wife. Um, I think they were married. Um, she was actually in the navy. Um, so she was, she was like stationed at a nearby base or whatever. And the Navy never actually, the Navy was like, oh, that's a problem. But they never actually said if they were going to discipline her at all.
2: Well, I think it, it would be interesting to know a little bit more about the laws in California. I'm going to compare to what I know about Florida too. Um, Florida has laws like the stand your ground laws. You know what I'm talking about? Like so with, with stand your ground, you're you're legally empowered to to protect yourself and defend yourself and, and your property uh, where you weapon. are. Yes. Okay. Okay, yeah, in, I've in, heard of In this. self-defense, right? And you know, there's there's been court cases and and things about that. And it, it's a very touchy thing because I think there's a fine line uh, when when self-defense and, and with with weapons is deemed appropriate, and, and when it's not. And, you know, it what's the law to compare in California? I don't know if it's the same or not. Um, in Florida, it's something about, there's something with castle, I can't remember what it's exactly but oh, like defend yeah. your castle, yeah. or, or your house is your castle, I or think something Wisconsin like that. Wisconsin has that too, might be wrong, but. Yeah, I- so, you know, like, you you have the right there to defend yourself and your property,
0: but you put yourself in the position, like in the case of this couple, like you put yourself in the position to to have your property or your castle or whatever be violated.
2: Well, yes and no. I, I, I understand what you're saying. Yes, because they knew what would go on in, in that neighborhood. But no, this is my property. No one else has the right to come on it and take my things.
0: But, yeah, but we could we could argue should they shouldn't do it. Right but that's just Uh, not the way it is
1: ethics question well
0: right and and should should people steal the bicycle from the property no I think you know in the case of the listen had their car been robbed and they witnessed that and they they were just parking like a normal you know just as they would use the street and their their car was broken into and they came out storming with baseball bats okay that I could definitely get behind I think I definitely I think but um to 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 put yourself in a position where your your property is being violated, and then I don't know
1: so i'm gonna I'm gonna go off just a little bit here because there was a show. Uh, I don't remember what channel it was a cop show. It was called like bait Car. Have you guys heard of this at all no no, uh, yeah, I think it was called bait Car, and it was literally that the the cops would. I don't. There might have been like some undercover, like someone was pretending like they had stolen a car. And be like, oh, I'm gonna sell you that. I just stole this, whatever. And they'd kind of, you know, get someone where they wanted them. Um, but they would have a really nice SUV or something, and like the keys were left in the ignition or something unlocked, and they just watch it. And and someone would come up and steal it, and then they just drive after him for a block, pull them over, and be like, hey, you just stole a car, I'm going to jail.
0: Now that's entrapment. I mean, it must not be because it was happen- there was a show
1: it was a sh- it was a tv show
0: i don't know i you know michael and i kind of talked about this a little bit before the podcast and i i feel like it's kind of like as i mentioned with a dog or a small child like you don't you don't put you know food on a table on the edge and expect the dog not to jump up and try to get it and then you punish him because he does it because you were kind of negligent and you were tempting the dog or the child, you know, you don't play with my phone, you know, toddler, but I'm going to put my phone within your reach.
1: Yeah. And then punish you for it. But 18 year olds are adults.
0: They should know better. You get everything. You You get the whole deal. You should have your dog trained. You should work with your child not to take, you know, to, to, to listen to you as a parent, but removing that temptation.
2: Well, but you also have the law aspect, right? right? This isn't just like a morality should. This is also well, law. But it's know? not
0: being upheld. So is it really law? I mean, if, if it's not being upheld, is it really law?
2: I, I, I wonder what's the difference. You know, if, if I have my bike in my front yard or I have my bike in my backyard and I don't have a fence around my house, is there a difference in where they take it and what I did?
1: I don't think so. Again, like I read this story. I'm just like, I'd be with there with bat number if three. If your
0: I- intention... If, if you are riding your bike and you go to the back of your house and you're, you're done riding your bike for the day. So you just put it down on your property in the backyard and you're going in to get a drink or whatever. There's an intention behind that. You know, it's just like, I'm not thinking about somebody stealing it or not stealing it. I'm just going about my business. If you put your bike out with the intention of it being stolen, I think, I, I don't know. I think that's I think it's foul. I, I get it because I, I think I'm, I'm a proponent of justice. And I do think that it's really crappy that the law is not being upheld and somebody's got to do it. And if the police aren't going to do it, fine. But I also think the intention behind that is different. The
1: the other thing, I mean, the again, this doesn't really matter, but the bicycle, it's not like they're leaving it on the street. Like there's any question. They're leaving it against the house like ne- the pe- people have to walk up the driveway oh, I, see i'm
0: picturing it on the front lawn like no
1: people have to walk up the driveway okay like by the okay. garage door All right. i'm
0: picturing it on the lawn like laying on the lawn
2: next to the sidewalk near the street
0: yeah right that's kind of what people, i was
1: you know with a sign that may or may not say free young <laughs> gonna... no uh, no okay. it, like that's the bicycle a it's like you you rode up the driveway they're they're clearly on your property taking your property it's not a question of like oh maybe this is not theirs
2: (laughs) well see should we just flip this on its head now so let's let's talk about you know some of the themes that we've heard in in some of our recent sermons at at, at victory love your neighbor right Mm -hmm. so if we're talking about intention Mm -hmm. if we're talking about you know people who have deep hurts and needs Mm -hmm. can we stem some of this and cut it off before you know, we get to such a problem in our communities Ugh. that we're worried about constantly protecting our, our property because things are, you know, being stolen. Like what What is it that we can do as a church, as a Christian, as a person to love our neighbors and, and not that, that that's going to prevent all this from ever happening, unfortunately, but what can we do?
0: Well, I mean, to start, we should love our neighbor enough to not steal from them. You know, I mean, but again and I I don't want to make excuses because I I I don't agree with that either. There are definitely reasons that people steal that are that run really deep and desperate. Um so we would love our neighbor by not stealing from them. And I think we would also love our neighbor by not I mean
1: I don't not think causing I don't think Jesus would have been out there with the bat. You know, would Jesus saying, have
0: put a would he have put a bicycle to tempt somebody? No, or?
1: but I think if Jesus had gotten stolen, he would have walked out and been like, "You need the bike more than I do,"
2: and he would have given them the second one.
1: It, yeah, oh, he would dang. have given him a second bike with the pegs. He would have given them a deep a deep look of just like, you know what the right thing is, and the person would have rode off and thought about it.
2: <laughs> that reminds me. Ha- have you guys seen the the musical Les Mis? I have not. Yeah. So, in in one of the uh, opening parts of, of the movie or musical, the the escaped convict hides in a, a church monastery, um, steals uh, like silver candlesticks because he has nothing mm-hmm. and, and he's trying to make something of himself. And he gets caught as he's leaving, but then the the priest just basically says no no i he tells the the police i gave these as a gift to him because Mm. he knew right he knew that he needed them there was something desperate Mm -hmm. about this man that he he needed something for himself to to move on with his life it just kind of reminds me of that like
1: and the priest gives him something else too yeah
2: he said and and take these take
1: more Mm. yeah
0: well yeah so i guess who's stealing the bicycle is it some ding-dong 17-year-old kid who's not, you know, or is it somebody who's like, oh, I'm going to sell this because I need money because whatever. Yeah. You know, like, am I trying to cause trouble or is there, like, a deep need there?
2: And so I think it's it's hard when you see that individual situation, right? Like, are you really going to be able to help that person stealing your bike? Or do we look for other ways in our community to help?
1: Well, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. I think obviously that's the right answer, um, you know. Obviously, that's what all the uh, everyone wants to see happen. But I'm just more curious, like when you're in the moment, what is? So here's an example. About a year ago, <laughs> this is stupid. About a year ago, we went we went on a camping trip, and the night before we were going to take my friend's car, we had to get up at like five a.m. the next morning. We load some stuff into my friend's car that night at like three in the morning his window is smashed the stuff is taken out of his car a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff that I had like just bought
0: but there was one major thing that was kind of left out in the open right wasn't there like I thought there was something like a, a, a nice piece of equipment or something that was like left for visible wasn't there or no
1: so I like well I had put like this big box into his car and so like If you had been like, you know, because people will do this, they'll go out at night, shine a flashlight in the windows. You'd be able to see it or they could. I mean, someone could have been spying on us as we loaded it into his trunk, I guess. Um, But I've often thought, what if I had been awake or, you know, what if I had been there? Like, what would I do when you see someone like smash a car window, open the trunk and take a box out of the out of the back? So what do you do in that situation? Like if you were actually there, would you just like It's a good question.
2: I think it would be pretty hard in the moment to run out with a bat without <laughs> having planned that you were go- You know what I mean?
1: Uh no, my friend's car <laughs> My friend's car has a bat in it. So that- <laughs> You would no, have you would have been, been having a bat battle.
2: <laughs>
1: well, it's um you know, or you think about any time if you've had anything vandalized, anything stolen, you're going to, you think to yourself, like, if I had been there, you know, like, what if I had been there? What would I have done, you know, to that person? And you're angry after it happens. Imagine how you feel while it's happening, and
2: you you realize, I have the chance to go do something about it. But do you realize that in the moment? I think, I think in the moment, I'm, I'm scared and don't know what to do.
0: (laughs) I think it depends on the person. Some people
1: would react with anger and adrenaline and and get real aggressive.
2: Yeah.
0: I think it also, it depends on, um, whether it's an, an item, like a, a a piece of property or like a person, you know, I've seen, Mm -hmm. I've had instances downtown Milwaukee and things like that where I've intervened when I've seen like human problems. um, or, you know, somebody accosting a human versus stealing a thing, you know, so I think that plays a role too.
1: So I guess to me, the part about the story with, with chasing down a bike thief with bats is we all agree for some reason that premeditated anything is worse than in the heat of the moment. Mm -hmm. In the heat of the moment, you weren't thinking straight.
0: That's the difference between first degree murder and like third degree murder. Yeah, Yeah,
1: right. Um, I guess the question is, 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 is what these two people did wrong? Because that's the, you know, like the only reason I don't think they would have been prosecuted if this had happened once and they had been out in the back hitting softballs and they saw someone take their bike and they ran after them. I don't think anyone would have said anything. It was only because they thought about it ahead of time. They're like, this is Multiple what we're going to do. sat and waited. Multiple times sat and waited and that's worse even though the end result is is the same but we try, we what we try to get into people's intentions okay they're clearly twisted because they thought about it ahead of time i don't know
0: i get it though again if the police cannot uh you know regulate that i i feel like it's similar to like when you have a referee like on a soccer field and there's like a lot of um you know really physical Egregious behavior and the ref won't call it, and so then the players then start taking it upon themselves to get even chippier and make it worse because there's nobody in authority regulating what's happening. And so I think that that's, that 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 uh, absence of police intervention is it has kind of bred that mentality. And so I think there's a lot going on and reasons why it's happened. I don't I don't know what the solution is. Love, love. <laughs> Love your neighbor.
1: That's the easy answer. You cheated. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's the best one. Yeah. It's, it's easy, but it's hard at the same time.
1: Well, yeah. we don't we don't promise final results here on the show. You you all at home are gonna have to do the rest Disclaimer. of the work on your own. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't try this at
0: home. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah, don't try the but do try loving your neighbor. Yes. Have we solved the world's problems? Are we good? We solved at least okay. three of them. Three of them. Good. All right. Love your neighbor, people.
1: All right. Keep it fresh, my friends.
0: If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email B Sadler at victoryofthe lamb B S A D L E R at victoryofthe If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song "My Name." Hello.